Craig. Hey, Craig. Oh man. Lucky. <sighs> oh, jeez, I was not expecting that thing picture to be full down there. Oh no. Oh no. Just about, just about injured my elbow. Oh god, what what a heroin couple days it's been. Or how did you injure yourself? I picked up a tea jug. I didn't expect to be full. Yeah, our refrigerator is very low. When, when we moved, we just got like a, we're, we're going to like remodel our kitchen in the next year or so. Uh-huh. So we got like a basic ass, like old school, just top, you know, top freezer, bottom. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And like, if the tea, if I don't like squat down, I can't like actually see what I'm reaching for. I just know where it is. <laughs> So I grabbed that tea pitcher, expanded it to be about a quarter full, and it was like full. Oh, uh, there was weight dispersion. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. I'm sure Christ. I'm sure nothing that tragic has happened in your household recently. No. No. no Jeez, I mean, do you all even have issues? Do you all even have issues over there? We live such a charmed life. <laughs> of course you do. You two little scamps, portion Oh man! Oh, uh, I will say, a... uh, she is doing much better today. Um, I saw her. I saw her Insta post. Yeah, and I was very happy. Yeah, so I, she's. I, I, yeah, and I I got her some. It's like a silver. Gel? Silver skin. Yeah. Yeah. So oh, she's yeah, gonna yeah, put stuff. that on tonight. So yeah, that's good stuff. That'll help. Yeah. So at least, like, I mean, the majority, the vast majority, of the pain has gone away, and now it's just, for the love of God, don't pop a blister. Oh yeah, yeah, that's gonna be a pain. It's gonna be a pain in the patootie. Yep. Pain in the tooth. Oh. Maybe maybe we could just talk about that for an hour and a half instead of instead of Are we still sports watching? Oh, we never That's stopped. exactly what the hell is going on here. We are definitely sports watching. Oh my god. It's the it's the it's the Qatari dream come true, man. Oh, just it's amazing. Just oh, welcome <sighs> welcome to the Welcome to the Foreign the Affair of, Podcast. Welcome to, welcome to the end of the world. Yeah, episode 443. Um, we are ostensibly still a soccer podcast. Um, well, I'm Edward... again, Ed, don't you worry. Oh, that's true. I'm Edward Green, joined as always by McCollin Cry and Mars Bradshaw. Um, yeah, so we're going we're gonna to talk about the quarterfinals and the semifinals Woo! of the World Cup for 2022. And it we'll we'll talk about it, and then we'll, I guess we'll do like a finals preview, not not third place because no 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 one actually gives a fuck about the third place match. Um, so we'll just talk about the final, and and then mm-hmm. we'll we'll do we'll do news and notes, mm-hmm. which will be fun. Well, no, they won't actually. I'm sorry, they actually no. won't be very fun at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we'll do we'll do we'll pimp the athletic, and and we'll do the watch for it. And it'll it'll be great. It'll be. Mm, it'll be awesome stuff. Um, well, all right. 
We're doing it live right now. Ah, quarter, quarterfinals. Just, just, uh, amazing, amazing set of days, uh, from Qatar. Um, for as much as we hate like everything that surrounds this World Cup, it has, as we all figured, it has lived up to its billing on the field. Yeah, I just, God, I wish I still cared. Um, so huh. we had, of course, started off with with the first first uh, not upset maybe of the of the of the weekend because there was only like maybe like one and a half upsets on the weekend, uh, but this was definitely one of them. Uh, Croatia beats Brazil. One one and added extra time, four two on penalties, and what has unfortunately become a very big running theme throughout this tournament that nobody can take a penalty apparently, uh, except for Croatia because that's that's literally all they do. Um, Brazil thought they had uh, been able to go through uh, when Neymar just produced another moment of magic for his Brazilian side in uh, in the first part of stoppage time in added extra time. Uh, and thought he had pretty much won it for Brazil there to, after he made it 1-0. Um, but it was not to be as just a few minutes before the final whistle. Bruno Petkovic was able to score on a on in a very weird manner because it was like Croatia was on the counter, which didn't make sense to me because Brazil was trying to just maintain the 1-0 advantage. So how Croatia was able to get a counter in that moment was very, very bizarre to me. But it, and yet it happened. Uh, it even did things up well, at well, one. Well, of course, uh, the problem is Brazil decides up one nil. Hey, let's try to attack. Uh, it is. Uh... <laughs> I mean, when 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 your when your defensive midfielder is in front of the damn ball. Lit uh, a moment of madness from ten people on the pitch. Um. With that, Croatia was able to equalize. They took it to penalties, and as apparently they they are wont to do, they were able to win yet another penalty shootout as Rodrigo and Marquinhos, both from Brazil, missed their penalties. Marquinhos chunking his off the cross, uh, sorry, off the, need to get my directions right, facing his left post uh, (laughs) that ended uh, Brazil's inevitable march to the final. It was not meant to be this year. Um, but maybe it will be meant to be for Lionel Messi as uh, his team was able to scrape past the Netherlands 2-2, 4-3 on penalties um, when it looked like for all the world that Argentina was just going to kind of cruise. Uh, um, not Alfred Molina, God no. Nacho Molina scored in the 35th minute and then Messi added the penalty in the 73rd and he thought, that's it. GG, game, set, and match. And uh, nope. Yes. Name that Molina. Get out of the air. <laughs> it's not my <laughs> Oh, Nachwell. Is he, is, is he one of the brothers? That's all I need to know. Is this the little brother, Nachwell? Yes, yes. <laughs> little, little Argentinian brother, even though I believe the Molinas were from, from Puerto Rico, maybe? I don't know. Um, sure. We'll, we'll, we'll fact check that later. Um, we will not fact check that later. Uh, Netherlands somehow came back uh, through Wout Weghorst uh, and was able to score a pair as, uh, in the words of Wes Bradshaw, things started to get a wee bit chippy on the pitch. Um, a lot of a lot of taunting, a lot of celebrations, a lot of kicking of balls towards benches. Uh, it was a very interesting evening in Lucille as uh, Netherlands fought their way back to force uh, added extra time. Neither team scored in that, and it went to penalties. 
And unfortunately for the Dutch, their their first two strikers, Van Dijk and Brechweis, were both unable to convert. Argentina got three straight before missing one, but Latoro Martinez was able to uh, finish things off for the victory. Um, and that was it for Argentina as they were able to advance. Um, in, in maybe the bigger upset, especially after the way the round of 16 went, uh, Morocco, 1-0 over Portugal. Uh, a, a near first half goal for Yusuf and Nisiri was the difference in this one as Portugal could not recapture their magic of their 6-1 victory against Switzerland from the round of 16. The they scored too early. They, they, they scored much too early. They scored about three days too early, unfortunately. Exactly. Um, and that and with that ends most likely Cristiano Ronaldo's World Cup career. Um, I believe I'm getting the stat correctly. I saw it, but I haven't seen it today. I believe it was no goals in the knockout stage in his entire career for the World Cup, um, which is um, a fairly damning statistic if I've ever seen one. But here we are uh, as the the Moroccan team advances on into the semifinals. uh, Big, big win for them and um, and just loved how they played that match. And then in the big one, I guess we'll call it. It was England. It was France. It was, I'm sure, some war from the from the early 1400s. I'm sure the Gauls were involved somehow. Um, Battle of Hastings. There you go. Waterloo. Then, <laughs> Whatever. It, it was. Uh, it was Southgate's there were, Waterloo. There were there were, there were there were many wars in. Yeah, that's. There have been many wars. There have been many wars. <laughs> um, Aurelien Chouamini was the difference maker early on for France with just a superb strike. France had been probing early and finally found their thunder strike from outside the box through Chouamini as he was able to give France the 1-0 lead. Um, England poked and prodded and had a few chances in the first half but couldn't convert until England uh, threw... Who drew the who drew the penalty? Um, I I keep wanting to say it's Keita. Uh, it was not Keita. Uh, Saka, Saka drew the penalty. Yeah, Saka first, drew the first one. Yeah, yes, drew the penalty, first penalty in the second half, to which the captain of England, Harry Kane, came up and coolly beat his uh, Spurs brethren in Hugo Lloris for the first goal of the match for England. Um, France came back with a vengeance, though, as. Uh, Giroud, with his meaty French forehead, was able to secure another goal for France in the 78th minute. Um, why am I blinking on so many names tonight? Uh, the guy who plays for Atletico and tried to play for Barcelona. Griezmann! Yes, Antoine Griezmann, who had an amazing match, uh, set up uh, Giroud's goal in this one to get it back to 2-1 France. Uh, England! They thought they had it back. They had another penalty with just an absolute moment of madness from the French as just they hip check uh, Mason Mount just after he comes on in the box. Kane steps up to take what is surely going to be another equalizing goal. And for one of the few times in Harry Kane's illustrious career, just completely whips on the penalty, shoots it somewhere into near orbit over the crossbar. (sighs) And that was it. Marcus Rashford had one more chance for glory and nearly Oh, so nearly on a free kick from just outside the box and stop at time. <laughs> nearly equalized for England, but he could not fully convert as France finished the job 2-1. Semifinals were much less dramatic. Uh, Argentina beat Croatia 3-0. 
Uh, Messi with the penalty just after the half hour mark got things rolling. And then Julian Alvarez, uh, Manchester City's backup striker to Erling Haaland with the brace in this one, capped things off in the 69th minute. Nice job by him uh, as Argentina steamrolled over Croatia. And then France gets by Morocco 2-0. A fifth-minute goal from Theo Hernandez uh, got Morocco out from their low block. That they were trying to play early on in the match. Credit all credit to Morocco. They they tried to run with France. They tried to make a comeback. They tried to really make it happen, but they just couldn't find the finishing product. And then Koba Muani in the final ten minutes was able to ice things off at two nil. So that sets up a third place playoff uh, this Saturday with Croatia versus Morocco, and the World Cup final on Sunday will feature Argentina versus France. Uh, Wes, obviously, that was a bunch of matches, two rounds full, the quarterfinals and semifinals. Love to get your thoughts on those before we head off and see who's going to win this championship. Well, Ed, the first thing I have to do, unfortunately, is update the lyrics. Oh, no. 56 years of hurt. Oh, no. Jules Remay still gleaming. <laughs> oh, it. Um, God, you know what? You know what really sucks about that match? A lot did, but what are you pointing out here right now? That England was actually the better team. That's very true. They were the better team. And I mean, usually that doesn't apply because yeah. usually England aren't the better team. And they usually find a way to scrap their way into it and then break your heart at the end. This time, shit, they were the best team. They, they nearly played France off the field. Yep. Um, I thought right up until the end, until Kane missed that penalty, I thought Gareth Southgate might have been managing his best match as England manager. Mm-hmm. Kyle Walker was spectacular. Yeah. Out on the right. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he was literally in there because Mbappe was over there. And Walker mm-hmm. is like one of the only dudes in the world who can keep up with Mbappe. Mm-hmm. Um, the only moment he didn't was during that opening goal sequence, but mm-hmm. that really can't be put on Kyle Walker too much. Yeah, that was that was such a good team move by France overall. And, and, and two, the, the one guy who did unfortunately switch off a little too much was John Stones, and I'm not jumping on John Stones here, but um, he kind of switched off on that play, and that's why Walker had to fall more into the middle and couldn't get out on Mbappe like he wanted to. Mm-hmm. But anyway, uh, I thought he played magnificently. The the revelation of the tournament for England was not Jude Bellingham, who just was by far England's best player. The revelation of the tournament was Jordan freaking Henderson. Yeah, especially in the knockout. Because, oh, yes. Because, you know, when England fans see Jordan Henderson, fucking Jordan Henderson, come on. He's shit. He's shit. I love everyone who thinks Jordan Henderson shit. Jordan Henderson is not shit. Jordan Henderson is a hell of a player. Um, He is a guy who... He he has sacrificed personal stats for years 
to do whatever he's been asked by his manager. And that's for Liverpool. That's for England. He Jordan Henderson is the epitome of a team first guy. It's just who he is. He does whatever he's asked to do. Do you need him in attack? He'll attack. Do you need him to play the six? He'll play the six. My God, he's played center back for Liverpool before. Uh, Jordan Henderson was spectacular. Um, Harry Kane, it seemed like Harry Kane got off to a slow start, but what a lot of people weren't seeing was Harry Kane was doing what he does so well, dropping deep and distributing and just getting oh, everybody yeah. on the front foot. Mm-hmm. I thought he had a really good tournament. Take away that last penalty, which, God, I hated that for him because he played a good tournament. He did. Um, I'm, I'm going to choke on my words here. Harry Maguire had a pretty damn good tournament. He did. Uh, for a guy for a guy who had basically no fitness coming in and no, you know, playing time, I thought he he played well. Um Jude Bellingham went from being one of the best young players in the world to just being one of the best players in the world. Mm-hmm. He is that damn good. Yeah. And he's gonna look magnificent in red. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get me started there. But which red will it be? Oh no. Oh, you shut the hell up. There's only one red for him. There's only one red for him. Um Jude play well. Bakari Saka was fantastic. Um Phil Foden when finally when finally we realized, man, maybe Raheem Sterling's not that great. Um <laughs> Yeah, unfortunately, sadly, it took him having to leave and go back to England to take care of some bullshit uh, to get to that point. But still, mm-hmm. um, Jack Grealish looked good whenever he came off the bench. England played a spectacular tournament. Um, to me, Southgate's biggest mistakes came late on in that match after Kane missed the penalty. Um, suddenly, he's trying to chase it. I don't I don't understand nothing against Raheem Sterling. I don't know why you brought Raheem Sterling on. The guy just got back from London. You know he's got issues going on. Why are you throwing on Raheem Sterling? At the very least, before you throw on Marcus Rashford. Yeah, that was weird. Who every time he played was nothing but dangerous and already had three goals off the damn bench, basically. Mm-hmm. Um and honestly, by the time with Raheem Sterling, to me, okay, you know I love Trent. Trent was a break glass if needed kind of guy in this tournament. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? In the last 10 minutes, break glass, Trent was needed. Yeah. You could put Trent anywhere on that field and just be like, all right, start throwing it in the box. You're arguably the best guy in the world doing this. Go throw him in the box. Mm-hmm. Trent, I don't think, ever took off his warm-up shirt. So, you know, that's um, I'm, I'm not going to go in hard on Gareth Southgate in this tournament. I thought he coached a good tournament. I thought he coached a, a bad last 15 minutes of the knockout match. Mm-hmm. Um, but once again, uh, as I said, England were the better squad on the day. Um, they just, they couldn't put the ball in. Yeah. Uh, Hugo Lloris was, yeah, Hugo Lloris just must have been like, oh, let me pretend I'm playing against Liverpool because this is what people do against Liverpool. They stand on their fucking heads. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and he did. He was, he was absolutely spectacular. Um, he got the job done, uh, and and his defense did not give him, um, did not give him much support in front. No, I mean they a they can see two penalties. Uh, B Upakamano looked like he just learned how to play center back a few days before this match. Harry Kane just yeah, 
abused him. Uh, Tio Hernandez was terrible. They were not good defensively. The fact that um, it, basically it was Larice that carried them through that match. I believe he was man of the match for him. Mm-hmm. Um, but but a, a really a disappointing end of that match or end of this tournament for England. Who, for once in my life, I can say I felt England deserved a lot more than what they got. Yeah. Um, but you know what? When you play the world champs, you've got to take advantage of your chances, and they didn't do it. Mm-hmm. And that's why we're now at 56 years of hurt. Jules Remay is still gleaming. Uh, the three lines on our shirt. <laughs> Man, I can't take it. Mm. Anyway, uh, hopefully in the next World Cup, I get to see England play live. That is like That is a bucket list of bucket lists. There you go. We'll see what happens with that. I, I have been told already that I get to go to a World Cup match. So. Hmm. The wifey poo is going to make it happen, Ed. Oh, boy. Oh it's boy. just, I hope I, I hope I get to see, like, England play somebody or, or <laughs> someone or someone cool play, but I'll probably end up seeing, like, Qatar <laughs> playing. Uh, I was going to say Saudi Arabia versus Senegal. Jesus Christ. And, well, Senegal, hell, at least I could see somebody. Then. No, no, I wouldn't even get Senegal. I'd get, like, uh, Bolivia versus, you know, because there's going to be 9,000 teams. I end up getting like yeah. um, Saudi Arabia yeah. versus Bolivia or some shit. Yeah. Um, but anyway, anyway, we'll see. But uh, anyway, so there's your, there's your England. There's your England. Uh, the shocker though, still of the round. God, Brazil had that match. Yeah. They had it in their hands. Mm-hmm. All they had to do was see it out. I mean, I understand, you know, I understand that it's not like Brazil have has maybe a shielding defensive midfielder they could have brought off their bench. Oh, shit, no, Fabinho mm. was still on the damn bench, wasn't he? Yeah. Mm. Oh, let's bring on an attacker. Because you're yeah. up, and you're just trying to run out. Oh, my God, just <clears throat> idiocy, idiocy. Just sheer stupidity from Brazil. They deserve to be gone because of that. Yeah. The only person I feel bad for is Allison Becker because he was great. I mean, he didn't have much to do, but when called into action, he was great. And then he gets beat on a deflection because once again, the 10 guys in front of him are acting like, you know, they're playing a damn practice match and that somebody's going to win some money for scoring another goal. Just mm-hmm. absolute ridiculous. The moment I saw France or not, not, not France. The moment I saw Fred's name coming up on the 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 lower third, I'm just like, this, why? Why is why is he coming on? Why is Alexander? Sure, sure. Why why are why are any of them coming on? This doesn't make sense. I don't understand. And he keeps in there going. Um, you, you have Fabinho, and I know Fabinho has not been at his sterling greatest this year. But I think for 10 minutes, Fabinho can come on and help you marshal that match away. Yeah, I would have thought so. At least he's going to play defense. Yeah. But, I mean, on on that last goal, basically when that counter started, Fred was supposed to be the deepest man. Mm -hmm. Fred and Casemiro were both in front of the ball. What the hell are you doing? You've got two defensive midfielders in there, and they're both attacking. Up one nil with like three minutes left. So ridiculous. 
Yep. So Brazil, you know, Brazil were fun. Man, they were awesome in this tournament. Yeah, I think I sent you the Joker gift. You get what you fucking deserve. Yep. The and they got it. Like, I thought they it is the, what they deserved. To me, the craziest part about the Brazil match was I think Brazil for like the first let's see, how much is that? 105 minutes of the match, not counting like stoppage time. I, I thought they played amazingly well. Like they were so patient. They kept poking and prodding at Croatia and Croatia like did what they do. And they just sat back and said, you know, sometimes we'll control the midfield and, you know, we won't let you get too far. And Brazil still had chances. And it looked like Brazil was always going to score. And so it was never like this big panic watching the match. It was like, okay, yeah, you know, Brazil is playing, is going along with Croatia. And they're like, all right, you want to play this slow plotting game? We'll play this slow plotting game, but we're still going to get our chances. And one, one of them's going to go in. One of them, we're too good. We're too talented. One of them's going in. And then it finally did. And I was like, all right, game's over. We're, we're done here. That, that was all Brazil needed. That was all they needed. And then they brought on Fred. And I'm like, wait. You you just played the first 105 minutes in such a way. Why are you changing it now when you're winning? I I don't understand. Like, if they had just played the last 15 minutes like they did the first 105, Brazil's through. It's crazy. It's it's bizarre to me. I don't know what Tite told them at halftime. I really don't. I don't know what the hell Tite was thinking himself. Or not halftime, but, but stoppage. Yeah, uh, between extra time, half-time. Half-time, yeah. halftime of stoppage, stop, sure, whatever. Yeah. Second yeah. halftime, yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, it was. God, it was bizarre. Even though the greatest thing to come out of the tournament for Brazil was uh, the unveiling of Richarlison's new tattoo. <laughs> yeah. Tell me you saw that. I did. I did. It's just magnificent. It's it's it is the faces of him, yep. original Neymar. Ronaldo and and uh, Neymar. Yep. Because you know one of these is not like the other two. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Boy, I bet you can't wait to see him back in London. Still has a goal of the tournament. Still. Has a goal. Hell yeah, he did. <laughs> Hell yeah, he did. I'll um I'll give him that. Oh man. That's that's what I'm gonna say. Brazil for the entire tournament up to those last 15 minutes sure played some Joga Bonito, but fuck. But then Ed, the mysterious Jogo took over. <laughs> it became less of a Joga Bonito and more of a mysterious Jogo. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> oh man. I couldn't believe it. Yeah. Also, did you did you think what and you can use a negative percentage here. What percentage chance would you have given Brazil once it went to penalties? Uh, once it went to penalties, um, I think I just I happened to be standing with my mom and dad. My dad, just the biggest soccer fan on earth. Oh, of course. Mm-hmm. Of course. Um, as he continuously derides me and makes fun of me at every turn. <laughs> um I looked at him and I, I think I said something to the effect. I was like, there ain't no way in hell Brazil's winning this shit now. <laughs> yeah. No, I had like no confidence. And then, you know, I just kind of kept waiting because I was like, all right, 
you know, Neymar's Neymar's going to step up because he's got to take a big penalty here. Uh huh. And Neymar never showed up. Yeah. I get I get wanting to take that last penalty, but man, you know, when you get to a point where it's like, shit, we're screwed. We've got to hit this or it's over. I'm sorry. You've got to step up and take that penalty, though. Mm-hmm. Agreed. So. Uh, you know. Yeah. Um, Didn't really cover himself in glory in that. In that. No, I mean, and, and for a guy who had been so good through the entire tournament to basically. Yeah. I'm not going to say he shirked his responsibility. You know, he was setting up to go fifth. But, man, you got to make sure you can get to that kick. Yeah. Absolutely. You gotta make sure you get to it. So um Yeah, I don't know, man. <sighs> All right. Um well the that's it's really the only two matches that mattered. Um so we got through the semifinals, and again that does set up our Argentina France final. It does seem like it's the storybook ending potentially for for Lionel Messi if he can cap this off in the final match with his first World Cup win. Of course, um Kylian Mbappe now going for his second in as many tries. Um they'll be looking to stop that. There's a lot of narrative in this match. Wes, as you texted me, maybe maybe we should have just we should just do a skills competition with just those two players. I mean, that's be- all that matters. It's it's, it's it's the it's the Qatari final with Qatar's two mm. finest assets. Oh, amazing, amazing stuff! Fucking disgusting, but whatever. Um, after we just t- did all that hyping it up, uh, what are your thoughts as we go into the final? Who do you who do you maybe see having a bit of the upper hand here? Well, I mean, my pre-tournament pick was um, you know, was Argentina. That's true. And here they are. They're over there. over so, England and France beat England. So yeah, I mean, basically France kind of squeaked by the England. So I I don't feel half bad about my pick. I feel if England had gotten past that, I would have had the final. Yeah. So um yeah, I mean, I feel pretty good about that. Um, I think Argentina are riding a hell of a wave right now. <laughs> They've got the emotion behind them. In France's corner, France are more like the icy, like, assassins. Mm-hmm. Because for those guys, I mean, this is like, all right, we've been here, we've done this, we understand what it takes to get it done. Um, I think the first 15 of that match is going to be bonkers. Yep. For the simple fact that Argentina is going to come out like a house ablaze. And I believe France is going to just sit there and be like, all right, all right, boys, let's absorb some pressure. Let's look for that outlet. And, you know, of course, the outlet is Mbappe. And uh, let's see if we can catch them cheating up the field trying to get an early goal. Um, Do you like that plan, though, for, for France? If given what we just saw them do against England, I mean, granted, they it was obviously a little different against Morocco, but I would say England are of a similar quality to Argentina, at least from what we've seen in this tournament. I think if France invites Argentina kind of into them in those first 15 minutes, 
I think Argentina have at least one or two goals in them in that period then. And see, that's the thing is England couldn't finish. Mm-hmm. Can can France finish? Now, yeah. that said, here's here's a big difference that uh, we'll see what Didier Deschamps does. Um, I think one huge difference from the England and Morocco match, uh, of course, there were a couple of players from France who were out with, um, you know, they had a virus running through or something running through the camp. Um, Upa Kamano, who we talked about earlier, just got abused by Harry Kane. He didn't play, and Ibrahima Kanate came in. And my God, Ibrahima Kanate looked like fucking Van Dyke. Mm-hmm. Of course, that's his boy, you know? <laughs> of course. But, um, I mean, he looked absolutely sterling at the back. Now, granted, once again, it was Morocco, it wasn't England. I think Deschamps has a real choice to make here, you know? I think uh, Kanate has looked... Kanade's played, I think, twice in the tournament now. And he has been absolutely fantastic. Do you start him and that gives you a little more defensive solidity at the back? Um, and if so, can you maybe absorb a little bit more of that pressure because you feel a little more comfortable with what you have at the back? Mm-hmm. Um <clears throat> I don't know, man. It's it's a very interesting. I just I think if you get if if France can get through that first fifteen minutes, they can start doing some different things, and they can start to insert themselves in the match. Mm-hmm. I just think that early on, I don't know how much of a choice France is going to have early, because okay. I mean, I just I see no way that Argentina does not come out of the gate just sprinting right at them. Because so they are so hyped up. Argentina plays Argentina's a team, they play on a shit ton of emotion. Yeah, they're they're like and, Brazil. And yeah. They, they well, well, they're like Brazil, but not completely ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um they probably they don't have quite the firepower of Brazil. They're more they're defensively more solid. I think the one big thing about Argentina is that that entire team realizes what their role is. Mm-hmm. Their role, it, it is basically, I heard someone say, how did they put it? They said, you have 10 soldiers and then one artist. Mm-hmm. And the soldier's job is to like put the artist there and take care of him. And they understand that. Brazil's problem is that you've got you've got ten you've got eleven artists and everybody thinks that they're a fucking artist <laughs> and every one of them every one of them thinks that oh well I'm here to be amazing and do this and that where with with Argentina they just got this whole thought they're like all right look we know we've got the best player ever mm-hmm. and we're gonna use our strengths to uh, you know, we're going to, we're going to use our strengths to amplify him because he's the one who can do something really special for us. And if he can do something special, then we're all going to share in that glory. Right. Um, and, and I f- I think that's what it's going to come down to in this match. I think it's going to come down to a moment or two moments where Messi is going to do something. Mm-hmm. 
And, uh, you know, it's it's not always messy scoring the goal. But, my God, that run in that pass the other day. It was good. I mean, he's he still got that in him. Yep. He is not the messy of five years ago. But, man, it, you know, here's the thing. Ronaldo from five years ago, Ronaldo has, like, fallen off a cliff. Mm-hmm. Messi is on, like, more of a gentle downslope. Yeah. Where well, it's think, like, you know, the bike's not out of control, but he doesn't have to pedal down. <laughs> well, and I think when 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 you look at who the two are, Ronaldo's whole shtick is scoring goals. And right. when your body starts to break down just because of age, no matter how well-trained you keep it, you can't easily score goals anymore for Messi. And it's it's part of what I think is going to give Kane so much longevity because of how he's been able to drop back and become this mm-hmm. like, setup guy as well as still a legitimate goal scoring threat i think he's going to have a great career going forward and i think that's why Messi is as you say on this kind of nice downwards gentle slope because Mm -hmm. his whole thing isn't about scoring goals if he isn't scoring goals that's kind of okay as as long as he has other talented players as we saw in the match against Croatia, it's it's fine if he's not scoring because other people can step up and do that. And that's why his his decline will be less will less noticeable than than Ronaldo's will be. I, I think that's a great point. Right. Right. And um <clears throat> I think too, I, I think that Messi has that team they're they're focused. There's mm-hmm. so much focus. Yes, they are emotional, but they seem to be able to harness it at the right times. Mm-hmm. Um, on top of that, boy, they have got the dark arts down, don't they? <laughs> yes, they do. They are so Argentinian. Um, who's, oh, who's our who's our guy? <laughs> who's our guy, Atletico? He's so damn proud right now. Oh, uh, send me up. Simeone is so damn proud to be Argentinian right now. <laughs> He's oh. like, ah, yes, they know what they do. I need to send their coach an all-black suit. It is. It he, he, must wear, he must wear all black in the final, like me. Yeah, no, well. don't do that, Diego. That never works for you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, mate, but um, they're just they're doing these little things right now. Um. And, and and two, I just I think France are and once again we'll see what Deschamps wants to do at the back. I just I think right now the French are a little they they are a little vulnerable at the back. Um, mm-hmm. You can't expect Lloris to do every game what he did against England. Mm-hmm. You just you can't. So um, he had another big save against Morocco when it was still one nil too. He sure did. He sure did. And he is, he has done great. I just, I I do think that Argentina are going to put them under more pressure than Morocco was able to. Sure. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and, you know, it's, it's just one of those things that law of averages, man, when you start ratcheting up those shots, you know, it just gives you, um, it, it, it just gives you more of an opportunity. Obviously the more you put it at goal, the more opportunity you have to, um, Mm -hmm go in goal. Mm-hmm. So uh I'm 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 really excited to watch it actually. Uh I'm I'm desperately pulling against France. 
or as I call them, the Ohio, the Ohio State of international football. <laughs> Uh, desperately, desperately playing against them. Um, Argentina is the lesser of two evils. Somebody in, on the Qatari payroll is winning this World Cup. <laughs> Messi's already done it, or um, uh, Mbappe's already done it once. And if Messi can do it on the way out, holy freaking crap, what a story that'll be. Yeah. It'll be the ultimate nail in the coffin of the Messi Ronaldo. Um, uh, tete-a-tete that we've mm-hmm. had over the last decade plus mm-hmm. and man just anything that'll piss the hell off out of ronaldo just that just does it for me too so france and ronaldo both on the line in this match and boy oh boy uh, boy oh boy I, i'm excited to see if argentina can get it done that and i basically pick argentina to win the world cup every you time you did and it could finally happen <laughs> i think i've done it like the last four world cups i've just picked argentina i'm always like well you know they got Messi, and man, Argent- Argentina are looking pretty good. And then it's like, oh, yeah, they lose in the group stage. Shit. Losing the round of 16. Shit. Oh, they got in the final. They lost. Shit. <laughs> I just want to be right for once. So I can puff my chest up. Oh, I told you who was going to win that tournament. I told you. <laughs> I mean, yeah, they came in with, like, the longest winning streak in the world. But still, <laughs> I told you. And then, but then they lost the first match. Damn right. They just went ahead and got that loss out of the way. That's that's what I figure happened. There you go. Um, that made, they didn't want to play England. <laughs> Who would? Um, the One more quick thing before we, we move on to news and notes here. Uh, it's a name you, you brought up a few times there, Didier Deschamps. Um, I think not as much from a technical standpoint, but I think something we we discussed about France pre-tournament, one was their injuries. And I think when we, we discussed their injuries, we kind of maybe forgot slightly how deep that French team is and who could come mm-hmm. in to replace Conte and uh, and Pogba. That was, that was, that was kind yeah. of our battle on that one. Uh, but we also oh. said that that team could implode due to internal infighting. And there was there was rumblings right before the tournament started that that very well could happen. Um, so I want to give him a lot of credit for at least mm-hmm. through ninety percent of this tournament keeping this team together and afloat. Roberto Martinez could learn from that, um, but he won't. Yeah, of course not. This was he's gonna have he's gonna be trying to do it for the USA in four years. Don't worry. Um, less um i i think deschamps deserves a lot of credit because i was very skeptical of france from a a Mm -hmm. not from a talent standpoint but from a will will they implode or not standpoint and he has kept this team moving right along and focused on a singular goal i i think he deserves a load of credit for that um again not necessarily from a tactical perspective because you're so loaded it's hard to get it too wrong as, as a coach in this situation. But as you said, he also does have a big decision coming up here on Sunday. But I, I again, I, I do think he deserves a lot of credit for keeping this team together, which in a lot of situations is about what the job of head coach really is, is getting the 11 guys on the field playing for each other and for the team. And, and he has really done that. Um, and I'll just, I'll throw this out. I don't know if this was in news and notes, um, just to give people a peek behind the curtain. We don't like 
talk about what we're going to talk about beforehand. We just go. Mm-hmm. We just go. This is all. This is all just our thoughts, folks. We don't preform our shit. Oh yeah. Um, there is talk that Benzema could be back for Sunday's final. I had not heard that. Um, because so Benzema was injured, but was not taken off the roster. So he is basically like the 26th man on this uh, French roster right now. Mm-hmm. And he's el- he is eligible, and there 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 is uh, rumblings that he is. Uh, they believe he's healthy enough to play if they decide to go that route on Sunday. I don't see any way in God's green hell you could do that. That would be so <laughs> weird. I mean, like, just hasn't played the entire tournament. So obviously hasn't practiced, hasn't, you know, I don't even think he's, like, been around the team, really, you know? Uh-huh. Um, yeah, he, I'm reading an article right now from the USA Today that yeah. said he was training with uh, Real Madrid for the past couple weeks. Yeah, yeah. Um I mean, yeah, I guess it's an option to bring one of the best players in the world in, but at the same time, I mean, who are you dislodging? You know, Olivier Giroud's been pretty damn good in this tournament. Um, I, I think that's a lot of kind of smoke because we don't just have a lot of stories going on right now. You know, we're, we're kind of in that little lull waiting to get to the final and people just need something to talk about. But... I mean, if you can, Good God, if you can bring there? on a Kareem Benzema and like added extra time off the bench. There you go. I mean, Ooh. let's just say you're. Let's just say you go to added time and yeah. it's it's one one at halftime at the hundred fifteenth minute or whatever the hundred fifth minute. Yeah, uh-huh. and you're like, all right, I'm just gonna throw on Benzema now. It's like. Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Benzema, yeah. just go run full speed for 15 minutes. That's all I need from you, dude. Just go score a goal. Yeah. And, and then and then just if you don't, it's like, well, at least now I have him for the shootout. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. So, um, yeah, that, that's, that's something really to keep it on. Yeah, but then you got to think, too, it's like, well, what does the rest of the squad think about this? But, uh you know, so there's still time for France to implode. By God, there's still time. <laughs> we were right. It may have taken to the final match, but damn it, we were right. <laughs> it may have taken to the last 26 minutes of the match, but damn it, I was right. I oh. told you. <laughs> so, wow. Uh, wow. Wes can get yeah. his France will implode and Argentina wins the World Cup in just one fail swoop there. Oh, my goodness. It's my dream. <laughs> my dream i just want to be right oh my god i think i think that is one of the few things that will make west bradshaw just over the moon happy in life we might get to another one of those things uh when i ask him uh, if there's anything else he wants to discuss at the end of the, the podcast today um I have, I have a feeling he might mention something um but yeah we'll uh <laughs> <laughs> just just a thought. I may, I may have taken a look on a certain Max Preps website before doing today's podcast. Just, just, just took a little peek. Man, uh, I'm, I'm, I may, uh, I may send you a little something, something that I may have uh, posted on a uh, 
Oh, oh, you're such a fucking troll oh my god oh this 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 may have been one of my greatest <laughs> troll jobs ever by the way i'll uh oh. i'll just send that to you here when i find it so i can't wait um we as we go to the news and notes no no troll jobs here um <laughs> although geo reina may have kind of trolled his team a little bit in this world cup um as paul tenorio and sam stashel reports for The Athletic, as did many others. Uh, Gio Reyna apologized to the U.S. men's national team during the World Cup for his lack of effort, according to sources. Uh, those sources were uh, Craig Berhalter talking at a conference where he thought his comments were off the record, which, mm, why? Um, that basically, he gave an example of a player who he did not officially name, but it became fairly clear he was talking about Gio Reyna, uh, that essentially wasn't giving his all in the tournament or in the lead up to the tournament in practices in training. Um, and it got apparently so bad that even the players were speaking up and, and complaining about it. And, and that's when things really came to a head. Uh, <laughs> there have been some reports that there was a player vote. There were some reports that there was just like an inner circle vote. Um, both apparently of which were very close, whether to keep Reyna or send him back during the tournament, um, which is a big, which also came to a head because this was someone that most United States fans really wanted to see during the tournament and were very perplexed as to why Berhalter was not playing him very much. He, during the tournament, he said a lot that it was just a matter of being fit. Now we seem to know a little bit more of the truth and unfortunately there was attitude issues. Um, some people have come out and said, oh, well, you know, maybe it's just the World Cup, maybe just because, you know, he was told by Bear Halter at the start he wouldn't be featuring much to begin with. And that that's what led to the attitude issues, which not an excuse, but okay. Um, but then there have been also some other people who said, who pointed to an interview with with that guy, Jude Bellingham, uh, when he was over at Dortmund and him saying that he was frustrated with the effort of some of his teammates in training and during <laughs> matches and who's one of his teammates at Dortmund. It's Gio Reyna. So people started putting like two and two together and going, Oh no, does, does Reyna at 20 years old, maybe have a bit of a motivation issue that when he's supposed to be one of the best United States players to come through in a while, that's hyper depressing. So obviously <laughs> this has also turned into then, for everyone who hates Greg Bearhalter, well, why is he talking about it? Why why is he throwing Reyna under the bus at a conference like this? Dagnamit. And of course, people then come back with, well, maybe Reyna shouldn't have been a little shit either. Maybe everybody's at fault here, and it's all just a mess. <laughs> so hey, Wes, you know, England was very, you know, I'm sure disappointing not to go farther, but they can leave with their heads out high, whereas what was a very promising World Cup from the United States now has entered the zone of controversy. Controversy. God, here they came in. Everything was feeling good, looking pretty good. You know, you're the second youngest team at the tournament. I mean, you get knocked out in the round of 16 by a European blue blood. It's it's what it is. You have a good showing for yourself. Um I think everybody kind of knew this U.S. team is building for 2026. And then, for whatever damn reason, Greg Berhalter opens his mouth 
You know, I, I live by this entire adage in my life that nothing is truly off the record. It's a good way to live. Because if you say it, you say, oh, this is off the record. You've said it. It's out there. Now, now you know, I say that. I say a lot of stupid things. I don't know if you've ever noticed any of them. Including on this podcast. <laughs> exactly. I say a lot on this podcast. I've said a lot on uh, television broadcasts. <laughs> Some of which never actually made air. Exactly. I've given Edward Green probably multiple ulcers over the years with a lot of the (laughs) shit I've said. But at the same time, I fully understand that when I say it, it's out there. Mm -hmm. And there, if if I say something too stupidly controversial, there are going to be consequences. Mm. And Greg Berhalter, you've got to understand that something that, um, I guess, really explosive and controversial it's out there. Once you say it, it's out there. If you're going to say it to somebody, say it to your wife. Oh yeah. You know, you don't need to go say it, especially around any media or anything like that. Uh, I think uh, to me, I think Gregory, um, I I think he opened his own can of worms with this one. Mm -hmm. And it was something that didn't need to be done was the thing. It's, it's, it's unnecessary drama. Uh, and now going forward, I mean, you know, here's the thing you got to look going forward. Do you, if there's going to be a real issue, I mean, who's going to survive this? Because honestly, I think somebody as good as Gio Reyna, mm-hmm. uh, shit, I don't know if, I don't know if the U S soccer association doesn't take the side of the player in this because, you know, the player's got a bigger future than Burhalter does. For sure. You, you, hope, can, you, can, you can find another manager a hell of a lot easier. You can find a Gio Reyna. Mm-hmm. So um, Greg may have, Greg may have tied his own noose on this one in the long run. Yeah. Which is unfortunate because if we just t- take what he says, what he said and the situation he described, it seems like he 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 pulled the Brazil, damn it. He it seems like he actually handled the situation pretty perfectly in in the moment, like with actually dealing with Reyna and trying to make sure that he wasn't too big of a disruption in camp, trying, you know, not rewarding him for for pouting in practices and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's and 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 going with the wishes of the team, it seems like as well, who were also according to these sources, fed up with his shit. It, mm-hmm. it seems like Bearholter actually nailed this for the first 105 minutes. And then those <laughs> final 15 minutes, he just, yeah. he went on the attack and just fucked it up. Um, man. Yeah. Like, cause I, I really don't disagree with anything he actually did. If, if what he's reporting is even like 80% true, like it seems like he really mm-hmm. made the right call here. But you you just you you can't say it. You have to give an example from like, I don't know, 15 years ago or give an MLS example that that nobody's going to give a shit about. You can't give mm-hmm. one right after you get knocked out of the World Cup, dude. You you can't do that. No. So, I mean, we'll see what happens with Burholder going forward, but. You know, he he may have been trying to run over somebody else, and he may have inadvertently got his own foot stuck under the car. Yeah, and what what's interesting, you you know, you're talking about who who would they side with, 
everybody always points to Bearhalter being kind of a nepotism pick because mm-hmm. I don't I don't remember exactly what the connection is there. I know I think it's maybe his brother works for U.S. Soccer or, or something something like that. Um, so it would be interesting to see how how tight those bonds are keeping him there. And of course, they may just decide to go in another direction because you know they they just want to go in another direction for the next cycle. That's right. a very normal thing in in international soccer. Um, I, thought, I thought Greg did a good job getting them to where he did, but I mean, mm-hmm. at the same time, I don't think Greg's like the be all end all. Mm-hmm. No one, no one else could do this kind of guy, you know. Time to bring back Jurgen, someone to take the U.S. to the final. Oh, <laughs> oh boy! Oh, God, man. I was I was gonna scream Bruce Arenas' name, but whatever. <laughs> well, and like the fact, like I I mentioned Martinez being the coach for the U.S. team. Like I I've, I've actually heard that as a suggestion, and I'm like, why? Why in the name of God would you do this? No, just wait for Jesse Marsh to get sacked from Leeds and then hire him. Like, come on. He already coaches two of the best players on the team. Just just wait for that. You know it's going to happen in less than four years. Just because of English Premier League coach turnover rate anyway. Like, just, oh, yeah. God. It's yeah, and unfortunately for him, I don't, I don't know if, I don't know if Jesse's going to, win quite enough to stay there forever but uh yeah oh yeah 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 well you know we can't uh, we can't ask everyone to use common sense no 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 um thankfully uh we're not doing a daily podcast so we were able to to keep our heads about us pardon the expression um (laughs) as uh and and not and you and use that common sense, um, because man, did I have some thoughts about our next pair of stories, or at least one of the pair? Um, it was very tragic news uh, during uh, the Argentina round of eight match uh, when it was reported that Grant Wall, uh, noted Sports Illustrated soccer writer, mm-hmm. uh, passed away, and you know obviously Wall had been a little bit controversial. He had worn his uh, uh, gay rights pride t-shirt into one of the matches and was a little bit accosted by that. Um, He's been very critical of the Qatari government. I mean, haven't we all though? Um, And was not afraid to, to go after people like that. So to all of a sudden hear, Oh, by the way, he's now dead. Made a lot of people start to go. Hmm. Makes you wonder a little bit. Um, And then his brother comes out and makes a post on social media going, I don't think my brother died of natural causes. Now he has recanted that he is. They have, they have come out and said, you know, the, the actual death, um, the cause of death was an uh, pulmonary embolism, I believe. Um, And it was just a undetected, undetected Mm -hmm. pulmonary embolism. So, um and or, then you have actually uh take about aortic aneurysm yes thank you um and then uh there was the other things coming out like why wasn't there you know a defibrillator on the scene uh why was he uh taking so long to be transported somewhere why was he transported it was reported he was d- taken in an uber instead of an actual medical vehicle 
a lot of things swirled around this. Um, and not only that, uh, but we also had, of course, just the day before to make even a little crazier, uh, this was reporting from defector.com. Qatar's World Cup CEO scolds reporters for noticing that another worker died because there was another uh, migrant worker who passed away during this World Cup in Qatar. Um, and of course, what did they have to say about it? Uh, we're in the middle of a World Cup and we have a successful World Cup. And this is something that you want to talk about right now. I mean, death is a natural part of life, whether it's at work, whether it's uh, in your sleep. Of course, a worker died. Um, our condolences go to his family. However, you know, I mean, it's strange that this is something that you want to focus on as your first question. So when you when you start stacking these things up, you, you and then of course we had out after Wall's passing, uh, photojournalist Khalid Al Maslam, uh, a Qatari photojournalist, also passed away at this World Cup. Um. And and so obviously these are all tragic events, and our hearts go out to all the affected families from this. But I think the tr one of the truly terrible things about this was Qatar has done so many terrible things in the lead up to this World Cup that the fact that a journalist died in Qatar. There, there actually is a reaction of, oh, God, was he murdered? Was he actually maybe murdered? And and it's like, well, you can't jump to that conclusion. I'm like, I'm sorry. Qatar has already lost almost any benefit of the doubt at this point. And that's that's the that's the biggest problem. How many countries can you really go to and be like host a World Cup and, and a journalist dies there? And you're like, oh, that's that's tragic and not. Did, did something happen with their government? So, again, it's just, it's a terrible, terrible tragedy. Um, but it, I think all of these further highlight how much of a, a terrible, unintentional spotlight Qatar has shown upon themselves. Yeah. Um, like you say, you know, just the fact that the questions were even raised. Mm -hmm just shows how little the rest of the world thinks about this entire uh, event. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, people are still watching it because man, you know, it's, it's, it's been really good. It's been a really good tournament played on the field. There's been controversy on the field. It's mm -hmm. been, it's been wild. It's been unpredictable. It's great. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, when you just you hear some of the stories of how some people are being treated, um, you know, due to maybe their religious beliefs or their belief in, you know, uh, standing unified with the LBGTQ plus, I think I got them all in, community, you know, and, and that's all they're doing. They're They're not like trying to throw it in anyone's face. They're just, you know, show, wanting to show their support for the community. Mm -hmm. And people are being basically harassed and, you know, forced to uh, not be able to go to the matches if they don't conform. And when you've got a guy who then has been, um, has been critical mm -hmm. and suddenly something terrible happens to him, I mean, that's where first thoughts go. That's where my first thoughts went. I'm not going to lie. I figured yeah, I was like, oh, shit, this is not going to be good when mm -hmm. it comes out. 
Now, I'm not saying it was good that he died of an aortic aneurysm, but sure. maybe just for everyone's sake, at least it was that and not you know, a poison pit or something. I mean, that's that's an international incident then. And and we're talking. Oh, yeah. I don't think we're talking about football at this point, if, if that's what had happened. Oh, no. And you would hope that if they if the Qatari, let's say the Qatari government had murdered a U.S. international mm-hmm. journalist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that should be an international incident. Like, I would hope Joe Biden would, like, have some Marines on the way to Qatar. So, like, the mm-hmm. World Cup may have just been called off at that point. So, yep. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Um, absolutely gutted for Grant Wall, Grant Wall's family. He's a very good writer. Mm-hmm. Uh, big time, big time pioneer of um, writing for U.S. soccer. The women's national team re- released a statement that, you know, he had done a lot for them over the years Certainly. and his coverage of them. So it's a, it's a really tough loss. Um, just unfortunately, the shadow over this tournament, at least for a few days, kind of had us all going, oh, man, what if? What mm-hmm. if? So, yeah, um, I hate to lose Grant Wall. Such a great voice for the sport in this country. Absolutely. And and again, all all these deaths are tragic. Not I know we're focusing on Wall because he is an American. And of course, there was the the immediate visceral reaction of uh, mm-hmm. that a, a a seemingly healthy, you know, early, I believe, early 40s or maybe late for sorry, late 40s. My apologies. Mm-hmm. Um, all, all just died um, was just so shocking. But again, other people have died. And that's, I think, what this defector and other stories have gotten into. With with the the response from the World Cup CEO to just simply brush aside, and again, this was about one of the workers who were working. This is one of the people who died building the World Cup. This was someone who died during the World Cup. So to mm-hmm. be that callous, like I get it. You, I'm I'm sure you're tired of hearing about how many people died to make your World Cup. Maybe that should make you think a little bit critically about why so many people had to die making your World Cup. But, you know, I get being tired, but you you can't just brush off the question like that, dude. That's. Yep. Uh, just great stuff. Speaking of other things that made people lose their fucking minds. Um. um <laughs> We had a report from Awful Announcing uh, that Apple TV Plus announces Super League, the War for Football Soccer docu-series directed by Jeff Zimbalist. Uh, Zimbalist, who did the two Escobars as well as Momentum Generation, will be directing the series uh, along with Connor Shell and Libby Geist attached as executive producer and a producer, respectively. Um, so I'm really excited for this. Obviously, the Super League was something that happened um, about two and a half years ago. God, it's been two and a half for about, years For about 10 minutes. Yeah, for about 10 minutes. And plunged the soccer world into abject chaos. Um, so this is going to be, I think, a great look into it. Again, obviously, uh, I don't know if it's gonna. there's going to be a free version uh, available on Apple TV, maybe with uh, advertisements, uh, or if this, if you have to pay for it. Um, but this seems very exciting. It's coming out on January 13th. 
Um, so yeah, it's uh oh, I'm sorry, it was April 2021. Was it April 2021? I thought it was April 2020. Am I insane? Was it 2021? Um, oh god, maybe it was 2021. God, time is so weird. It was. God, I can't remember when that. I guess was. it was 2021. Um, yeah, I guess it was 2021. Holy shit! Never mind. So, <laughs> so about a about a year and a half um, is what we're looking at here. Uh, but I I'm very excited for it. I'm sure it's going to be a great take and. You know, as glad as I am that it obviously did not happen, um, even though, um, you know, it's still being apparently played out in the courts a little bit. Good. Keep, keep going, Jean Laporte and everybody over there. Um, I think this will be a fantastic thing. And uh, I'm, I'm very excited. It looks like this will be a long, in a similar vein as to one of the great things from ESPN, their 30 for 30 series. Um, both Shell and Geist worked on it, so I'm uh, I'm well, very. Of you mentioned the two Escobars. That was um, that was a really good thirty for thirty. Absolutely. So um, I'm very excited to see how good this is. If 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 their track record on this uh, is anything to sniff at, I think this is going to be a very very fascinating look, Wes, at uh, at the uh, the creation and implosion of the Super League. Uh, the the most chaotic forty-eight hours in football history. Just um, yeah. Uh, I mean, it, it'll be interesting. Um, uh, it'll it should have a lot of information. Well, like I said the two Escobars was a really well put together thirty for thirty. So if it's coming from those guys, I expect a good one here. It should be phenomenal. Um. So we'll, we'll we'll maybe have a little bit of review on that one day and a, a watch for. Um, but, Wes, uh, that does bring us to where we pimp the athletic. Wes, what you've been reading from the, the hollow digital pages of the athletic this week? Oh, my goodness. I'm actually on my athletic right now. Um, <clears throat> man, there's a lot of stuff this week. Uh, where do I want to where do I want to go? Okay, let's start with this. I like my clip little mix. Doug Haller, Monday, December 12th. Let it rain! Philip Seymour Hoffman and Hollywood's funniest oh, hoop yes. scene. Yes. Along came Polly, which was a really actually not a bad little movie. It was, it was, it was fine enough. Yeah. It was fine enough, as you said. Um, <laughs> with uh, Ben Stiller. Uh, mm-hmm. God, wasn't Janison in that? Yes, she yes, was Janiston. I like that. Janiston, yes. I just call her Janiston. She's God, she's just magnificent. <laughs> she, she that woman gets better looking every day I see her. I, I love Jennifer Aniston. She is the part um, of women. Oh my goodness, she's spectacular. Um the scene in that movie with the the now um the late Philip Seymour Hoffman. Mm-hmm. What's the guy? What was the damn name of the guy he played? Oh, he played Sandy Lyle, a former child star who uses confidence to mask his insecurity on the basketball court. This translated into trash talk and the cringy sound of a jump shot slamming off a metal backboard. <laughs> um, basically, he just every time he put up a shot, let it rain, <laughs> which, which, which literally. 
I, I do just I don't think about it, but every time I just shoot a basketball randomly, I just scream, let it rain. <laughs> so I love this because it's like, oh, this has actually affected my life because I, I took it directly from there and went. Um, great, fun, fun little story. Fun little story from Doug Haller. Um, yeah. Uh, moving on, uh, we've got the folks that is college football. You know, we're getting ready for the bowls. <laughs> um, but not only the bowls, and next Wednesday is one of my favorite days of the year. It is the early signing day. Kicks off early signing day. The the class of 2023 guys can start signing those letter letters of intent so they can get a jump on getting ready to jump in the transfer portal next year. Um, I'm, 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 I've got a lot of excitement. Miami has picked up two massive commitments this week, including one just a few hours ago from the pancake honcho himself, Samson Okanlola. Uh, but anyway, uh, the athletic college football staff got together and they drafted a class of 2023 recruit to each power team. So basically what they did is um, they did this kind of like the NFL draft where the worst team gets the first pick and they basically run it down. Um, okay. So uh, the number one pick, because they were the worst power five team this year, the number one pick goes to Deion Sanders and the Colorado Buffaloes. Hmm. So uh, they they run down it that way. So you get an interesting, like, oh, man, that'd be super freaking cool. What if, what if? Um, Miami at 13, uh, they get Cormani McLean, who they've already got him committed anyway. So woohoo, we get to keep our best commit. Good for us. Um, but, yeah, it goes down. It's uh, It's pretty fun because – you know, usually it's your Georgias and Alabamas and Ohio States who are stockpiling all these players. And when it comes down to it, let me see. Uh, Georgia doesn't get a pick until pick number 69. Baga. Nice. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, Alabama picking at 62. My God, these poor guys. How, how will oh, they no. survive? Oh, no. How will they survive with basically these second round picks? Um, but yeah, it's it's a fun little article to go through. I mean, obviously, not how it happens at all, but you know, um, just sticking in the college football inside Deion Sanders Jackson State program. A look at hard truths, fireside chats, swag, and structure. Uh, David Ubbin doing that story. Um, it, it has it has been an interesting couple of weeks now for Deion Sanders, who was the toast of college football uh, with what he had done at Jackson State. Mm-hmm. He has now taken the Colorado job to kind of some yeah. mixed reactions. I mean, it's exciting. Don't get me wrong. As a neutral fan, it's exciting. Wow, Deion's going to Colorado. Holy shit, this is going to shake everything up. Da, da, da. But he is getting a lot of heat from the HBCU community. Oh yeah. Um he's getting a lot of heat from the media that covers HBCUs. You know, he Dion is so good at talking and selling his vision and putting out how he wants things done and how things are gonna be. <clears throat> and for him to leave Jackson State basically after three seasons, it's just it's got some people really pissed off. Mm-hmm. Um Honestly, I mean, 
just looking at it logically, the way I look at it, well, shit, three seasons, he gets a power five job. You know, he did a really good job there. Take it and take it and hope that it builds your program going forward. Did you really expect Deion Sanders to be there for 10 years? No. But, you know, I've gotten into some arguments on some messages. You? Me? Exactly. Where, I mean, there's just, there, there are people out there who were just completely convinced that, oh, Deion's here for a bigger purpose. Oh, he's here for a higher calling. Deion's yeah, higher like, calling has always been himself. Exactly. And I mean, don't get me wrong. I don't dislike Deion Sanders. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, th- I think this is an awesome story. I'm really excited to see what he does at Colorado. I've been excited to see what he did at Jackson State. But at the end of the day, Dion took the Jackson State job because none of the D1s would give him a job. He didn't want to be a coordinator. He wanted to go right into being a head coach. And Jackson State was a school who looked at it and they're like, you know what? Maybe he can do a good job. But boy, we are going to get talked about. We are at least going to get some coverage for this. Mm-hmm. So they hired Deion Sanders, and I think Deion Sanders has exceeded everybody's expectations as a head coach. A year ago, the dude flips the number one player in the country in Travis Hunter and gets him to Jackson State. He has a really, really nice group of four- and five-star guys who have come to Jackson State. Um, He has put together a hell of a football team. They're going to play in the Celebration Bowl this weekend. Um, if they get it done, they'll be 13-0. and 0. They'll be the HBCU national champions. So in other words, Dion came and he did what he said he was going to do. He led Jackson State to the mountaintop. Mm-hmm. Now, one of the problems is, you know, Dion, Dion likes to talk. He is a shameless self-promoter. Mm-hmm. He will promote the hell out of whatever he's working with. And you know what? That's what makes him a hell of a coach. But he just, I think he made some comments that led some people to really believe, oh, you know, he's here for the long haul. You know, he's here because he just, he wants to elevate HBCUs. I think that was kind of like a side goal of his. Well, hey, while I'm there, I might as well do everything I can to help elevate, you know, the league and these schools that are, you know, honestly, the HBCUs have been overlooked for a long time. Mm Mm-hmm. That's what it is. You know, everybody knows Grambling and oh yeah, Grambling, Walter Payton. Oh, they put NFL guys. <clears throat> Man, there's some damn good programs down there that have produced some damn good ball players over the years. Jackson State, they happen to land the hot coach of the moment, and, and he has delivered. I, I just I I find it very hard to believe that people convince themselves that Dion was going to be here for a decade. Yeah. I'm sorry, Deion Sanders ain't trying to be in Jackson, Mississippi for a decade. <laughs> Deion was looking for a power five job. Now, I didn't think it would be I will take the I will take any power five job. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was stunned when I heard, yeah, he's going to Colorado. It's like, why? Yeah, Deion like could have been a little more selective. Yeah, but you know what, man? You already start looking at it and He's pro- he has proven in the last few years recruiting talent will follow Deion Sanders. I mean, once again, he's signing four and five star guys at Jackson State. I mean, I know Colorado ain't Ohio State here, 
but boy, it, it sure is a lot easier to recruit. Co- you would assume it'd be easier to recruit Colorado than Jackson State. Yeah. I mean, Dion's probably going to have a top 15 class next year. Uh, Dion's already flipped the running back from Notre Dame this year. Mm-hmm. Um, Isn't there a know, Kansas guy? Some... Yeah, yeah, well, that's uh, the kid from Kansas who was. Oh, right. Who was going to Notre yeah. Dame. You're right. Yeah. 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 Um, I mean, there's already some precedent here. You know, he's he's going to get some players before signing day next week. And then he's got till February for the final signing day. Dion is going to do well at Colorado. Will it translate to wins on the field? That's where it's going to be, you know, that's where the rubber meets the road and we'll see. But um, this is an interesting article. It dives into some things. David Oven doesn't like try to sugarcoat anything. I listen to David Oven every week on the Andy Stables and Friends Network. He, I like Oven. I don't always agree with everything Oven says, but going through this article, he makes some really good points. And he praises Dion, and he asked the he basically says some of the tough things in there that need to be said. But it's a good article, and I think people should check it out if they're Dion Sanders fans. If you're interested in this whole deal with him going to Colorado, the HBCUs, it's an interesting read. Okay. So, and I'm gonna have one more uh, one more uh, story a little later, but uh, that's gonna be in our final thoughts for today. That I'll bring that up. Gotcha. Okay. Um, so I have two quick stories in here. Uh, first one uh, by Oliver K, which go read the article. It's a really great article by Oliver K that and has been no, what am I trying to say? It was done no favors by the title or the notification that came across on my phone. Because when the notification popped up on my phone, I rolled my eyes so hard they almost came out of my head. The title of the article is Lionel Messi, Lionel Messi winning World Cup would define him, but he's already among the greatest of all. And my response is, yeah, no shit. Why are you, why in the name of God are you writing this article? This is stupid. There's no need for this. And then I read it. It's a great article. It's a really, really great retrospective and in-depth and well-sourced uh, history of Messi as a nice primer going into Sunday's match. Um, it does not try to make the argument that, oh, he is actually already one of the greatest players of all time. Yeah, <laughs> we all know. So I, I think the title and whoever, whoever made the title, because most of the time, a little inside baseball for you, most of the time, writers of articles do not make the title of their article, whether it's ESPN, The Athletic, whatever. They don't make the title, and they also don't usually write their own push notifications to phones when when the new story comes in. So I, Oliver K got done a little bit dirty by this because the story is fantastic, but the title is stupid. So... Anyway, yeah. um, go check that out. And just just to throw this in there, Shaka Hislop has um, on ESPN FC, who I, I enjoy Shaka Hislop, former former uh, Newcastle West Ham keeper, uh, Trinidad and Tobago legend. Um, he has had this argument going for years now that uh, you can't consider Lionel Messi the best player ever unless he wins the World Cup. 
To which, I mean, this argument has been, this has been an ongoing argument literally for like 10 years on this show now. <laughs> and, um, you know, so somebody says, well, so let's just say that a player is born in, you know, um, um, you know, a tiny African like island nation or something that has absolutely no hope of ever winning the World Cup. But this guy goes on and he's like, you can tell he's maybe the greatest player ever, but you can't call him the greatest player unless he wins the World Cup. That's stupid. And I feel that's kind of uh, how it is about Messi. You know, why should Messi, why should be held against Messi that for years his team wasn't good enough to get to the World Cup and finish it off? I mean, are, are we going to say that Erling Holland couldn't potentially be the greatest player ever, you know, if he puts up those kind of numbers just because, you know, Norway probably ain't never going to win the World Cup. So, um, <sighs> yeah, I, I mean, let, let's look at it, folks. You can count on, on – you don't have to use all your fingers on two hands to count how many teams have actually ever won the World Cup. So mm-hmm. are you saying that those, like – just off the top of my head, six or seven countries are the only ones that can produce the greatest player ever. Apparently. Parent, apparently. It's a dumb argument. It's a very dumb argument. I, um, hmm. Hmm. Oh, you know what? Maybe, maybe ESPN demand dismantling their soccer coverage. Isn't, isn't the worst thing in the world. Like that. It's just MLS coverage. It's okay. Yeah, that's true. Um, <laughs> my other story comes from yeah, Dana O'Neill, um, the uh, the the uh, ever present Dana O'Neill here in the college athletics world. Um, Charlie Baker, the former Massachusetts governor, I believe. Um, yes, the uh, the outgoing Republican governor of Massachusetts is going to become the next NCAA president, replacing Mark Emmert. And Dan O'Neill's story is Charlie Baker as NCAA president will be more of the same for college athletics. Can't wait. Mark Emmert's done a bang up job. So I'm, I'm sure this guy will be great with all the NIL stuff. And um, uh, by bang up job, do you mean he's putting up a lot of shit? Because yeah. he banged it right. Yes. Yes. <laughs> bang up job as in he's ran into a lot of things and knocked it over. Bang, bang, bang it up that way. Yeah. Yeah, he's true. Oh, and this is going to be more of the same. So, yay, NCAA is fucked. Um, so those are... As those, we knew. As, those are, unfortunately, my stories of the night. Um, but that now brings us as into our closing segment, The Watch for Wes, what are you watching in the week that was or the week that will be? <coughs> what am I watching in the week that will be? Um, so... I haven't watched much of actually anything, but we are about to kick off the final season of Brooklyn Nine-Nine on our rewatch. Oh, okay. Have you watched the final season before? See, that's the thing. I think I saw like the first few episodes and then never finished it. So this is actually, and and even if I did, I don't really remember it. Okay. So I actually kind of get to watch like some new Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Well, that's in the and year I'm of our Lord, 2022. Kind of <laughs> and I'm kind of excited about that. All right. So, uh, yeah, Jake and Amy are having a baby. Yay. Yay. That, I, I don't remember if I ever watched the last season. I'm going to pretend I didn't until right. I'm proven wrong. Fair enough. 
Did you ever finish watching The Good Place? Yes, I did finish The Good Place. Okay, I can't remember if we had ever talked about that or not. Okay. We never finished Shit's Creek. Oh, wow. Okay. Which we're really enjoying. We just stopped watching TV for a while and just never went back to it. We're going to start Justified soon. She's never seen Justified. So I'm excitedly getting to run through that. Imagine you are. Someday, someday I'm gonna go all, back all through um, um, Better Call Saul because I've never watched the last season. She wants to watch the whole show. Oh, I so, actually forgot. I didn't realize you would watch Better Call Saul. Oh, I love Better Call Saul. Oh, okay. All right. Oh, absolutely spectacular show. I, I was all the way through the next to last season. I think it's season five, maybe. I think it was six seasons. Um, but yeah, I'd watched the first all but the last season. So, um, yeah, Better Call Saul's fantastic show. Okay. Oh, man. <laughs> um, but, yeah, other than that, I mean, the big thing to watch this weekend, uh, there's the World Cup final. Oh, there, there see you on, See you on Sunday. So <laughs> oh. That's what I watch this weekend. And then we'll see. All right, Wes. I yeah. need to know. This wasn't a watch as much as it was a listen. I said it. Have you listened to the latest holiday draft podcast yet? And I will answer that question with this lyric. (laughs) OJ Simpson. (laughs) Not a Jew. But guess who is Hall of Famer? Rod Carew. And I will also follow it up with the greatest of holiday lyrics. Uh-huh. I took the field. <laughs> I can't even sing it. I can't even fucking sing it. Oh. Oh, my God. One of my the... man got banned for center fielding. The greatest thing I've ever heard. One of the greatest lines from Nick Offerman. We'll see your ass in eight in two in twenty twenty eight. Twenty twenty eight. Oh my god. Oh. I also the government. I have a large knife. <laughs> I I was howling at this podcast. If you want to know what we're talking about, go go listen to the Joe Posnanski, the award winning number one sports yeah, podcast. Number one sports podcast in America. <laughs> we're number two. Who the fuck it, right? Yeah, exactly. If, wow, if what, they're what number a, one, we're obviously number two. So. What a, what a steam company we keep. Um, oh. Please, I beg you all, go listen to this podcast. It is two hours of just absolute joy and warmth and and magical happiness. Um, from the moment, and like I I knew I was like as soon as as Mike Sure started going, Roger Goodell is not our our commissioning where I was like, <laughs> it's going to be Infantino, isn't it? It's going to be Infantino. And he fucking was. I was so happy. And then, yeah, as soon as Jason Kander goes, OJ Simpson, I'm like, what in the hell? Like, here are, we go. Where are you going? Oh, yes, yes, yes. That was, and then, yeah, it just, like, I thought that was going to be the, like, apex. Oh, but no. it wasn't. Because it was the when base. You, when you heard, when you heard, well, I beat the drum and hold the phone. The sun came out today. <laughs> oh man! I literally, I was, I was listening to it while I was working. I was inside of a factory, like working on a marketplace, 
Mm -hmm. I literally like dropped a handful of chips because I was just dying laughing. <laughs> like I, people, like people who don't know me at all were just like staring at me, like, "What is this guy's problem?" Mike Sure's reaction to that is is among <laughs> the greatest things I will ever hear. His he, I was I, I, you know what? I'm with you, Mike. It's not a holiday. It's 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 not even like Steppenwolf's normal bullshit. It's not a holiday. But it's opening day, Ed. That's a holiday. <laughs> no, I, I liked when they tried to do the gotcha of, now, Mike, haven't you advocated for that day to be a holiday? He's like, yeah, because it's not a holiday. It's not a holiday. <laughs> oh, it was magnificent. Oh, man. It was absolutely magnificent. And then, and then Alexis Gay busting out for her last lyric, this is Halloween. This is Halloween. <laughs> Halloween. <laughs> and then having and then having Jason Kinder's mind that it's like actually it is a Christmas movie. It's a Christmas. <laughs> Read the last five words. <laughs> Halloween. 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 <laughs> Halloween. Halloween. Oh my god. Uh, that their dress literally get like more and more magnificent every time. I. Don't know how they fall. And poor Ellen Adair just banned banned for a year for just not being just banned show. and didn't even show up. Didn't, didn't even show up. Oh didn't man, even show up and got banned. It's, it's 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 like it's like our friend Craig. You get fired <laughs> on your day off. <laughs> Ellen Adair got fired on her day off. She did. Oh man, just what what an amazing episode. Just I I I don't know how they're gonna talk. Well, I think this every year. Um, yeah. I don't know how the top and and Brandon McCarthy wasn't even like the true crazy one this year. That's no, that's, he was oh. he was he was somewhat uh muted for Brandon McCarthy standards. <laughs> yes. Oh man, excellent. Just just go listen to it. It's, it's what 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 a sports podcast it is. In <laughs> all about sports. Yeah, so much <laughs> sports was talked in this podcast. I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm glad they stick to sports on that podcast. That's, that's... God, I mean, if they talk about anything other than sports, I mean, how would it even go over? I, I don't, it, it wouldn't is, is what it is. It just, it wouldn't go over true. at all. It just wouldn't go over at all. That's right. Oh man. So yeah, sure. that's, that's my, that's my watch for it. It's more of a listen for, for the week, <laughs> but my God, I, I just love that. Um, so I have not seen them uh, put up a poll or anything. I, I didn't, or if I did, I missed it um, about who won the draft. So I'm going to have to go search that out. But yeah, just <laughs> great stuff. There. And did anyone really win that draft? <laughs> we won the draft. We were the there listeners. Any, yes, were there any real winners when it came to this? <laughs> oh, oh, dear. Goodness. Um well, with that note, that is going to do it for this edition of the Afford Affair podcast. Episode 443 is now in the books. Thank you all for coming out here. I want to give a shout out to our podcast providers, including uh, Anchor, powered by Spotify, Stitcher, Spreaker, iHeartRadio, the TuneIn Radio app, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. Catch us on social media as a collective on Twitter. We are at AFA Pod. Wes, you are. I'm at West Bradshaw 21. He's also trolling people on Facebook as Wes Bradshaw as well. I am at Edward Green. You can also find us via our parent show, the all new sports show on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Um, so that is, like I said, going to do it. We'll be back next week. I guess we'll wrap up the world cup and finally 
I, will, I can't say anything like that. It's it's going to be done. It will be it will be done. Um, and then we'll we get to do a Premier League week preview. Amazing! I love it. Yeah. Yay! Boxing Day is coming. Um, but Wes, <clears throat> before we get out of here, anything mm-hmm. else you want to mention? Well, a couple things. There's the good. And however you want to look at it, and there's the not so good, which I will have to get serious here in a moment. But okay. first, but first, uh, I would like to read a post that I made on the Facebook this uh-huh. week, folks. As you as as you folks know, if you if you make it to this point of the show every week, which God mm-hmm. help you if you do, mm-hmm. uh, I did mention that the the Northern Nash Knights were playing for the um, State Three A North Carolina State Football Championship. Uh, for those of you who don't know, the Northern Nash Knights are my great um, death rival. They are. They're, they're the. I mean, to me, they're the worst. Uh, but I'm also a a perfectly unbiased uh, journalist. Instead, I'm a journalist mm-hmm. somehow. So, yes, uh, I'm a journalist. Like uh, like Centerfield is a Christmas song <laughs> or yeah. a holiday song. So there you go. Um, Anyway, folks, I, after the game, I, I had to go and I put up a post. And I said, uh, real quick, roll call for Nash County High Schools that have won football state championships. I'll start it off for the Rocky Mountain Blackbirds slash Griffons. Well, dang, guess that about wraps it up there, huh? Because, folks, Northern Nash did not win the state championship. They did not. They lost. They lost. Mm-hmm. which now puts them 0-2 all-time in those state championships. Um, the Southern Nash Firebirds have been to a state championship, and they also they lost. Mm-hmm. Nash Central has not sniffed a state championship, but anyway. Uh, someone tried to say, or oh, they won a state title. Shut up. I love B.W. Holt. I love B.W. Holt dearly. Shut up. We're not talking about <laughs> eight-man football here. I've had to be nice and diplomatic, but damn, it feels good to be a gangster <laughs> in blue, in in blue and gold. So, uh, yes, good times, good times. Um, congratulations to all of our state champions. Uh, unfortunately, neither of them were Northern Nash or Tarboro this year. Effectively, so I didn't realize Tarboro lost. Oh no! Uh they did. Uh, it it was their year to lose. They lost to Mount Airy. Which basically, those are just the two teams now who just play for the state title every year in one A. So, sure. Yeah. Uh, sticking with football, Ed. Here's where we gotta get a little, little serious and a little sad for a moment. I did say that there was one more athletic story I wanted to mention today, um, and that story uh, was written by uh, uh, Bruce Feldman, one of my one of my favorite writers for the Athletic. Uh, Mike Leach's original influential life and the mm. roller coaster on which it sent me. Um, God, the stunning news that came out earlier in the week. Mississippi State head coach Mike Leach uh, shockingly uh, had a heart attack on Sunday morning and passed away. I think it was late Monday night he passed away. Um, has really just flipped the college football world on its head this week. I mean, 61 years old, and it just. I, I, I have no idea the last time a sitting Division One head coach, an active Division One head coach, died like while on the job, basically. Mm-hmm. 
It doesn't happen, man. It's crazy. Um, what it has done is um, for most all this week, you've been hearing tributes and stories and everything. Dude, Mike Leach is like maybe the most interesting human being who's ever coached college football. Oh, yeah. I mean, he is he's weird and he's a little wacky and he's out there. But then that dude, absolutely. He he has a way of he, he had a way, apparently, of like making people feel like they were the most important person in the room. Mm-hmm. Um, he took time to connect with people to really he he wanted to get to know people. He wanted to know things about you. It wasn't just a hey coach, how you doing? Hey, how are you? He was gonna ask you 10 questions about yourself. Um just so many people had so many good things to say about him. And it it, it breaks your heart and uh you know just 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 really sucks, man. Mike Leach just he was he is an original. Mm-hmm. He is not your cookie cutter college football coach. Well, we're gonna go out and smash heads and the best team may win. No. After game, well, coach, what happened? Well, you know what happened is I ate the wrong candy today and I hate candy corn and blah blah blah. And he's gonna give you like a five minute soliloquy on candy at that point. This dude wrote a book about Geronimo. I mean, he he like literally he taught like an actual class at Washington State. How many football coaches actually teach a class? Yeah, he's just he he was a different breed, a different guy, uh, one of the one of the originals in college football, and yeah, the world it's it, the world of college football it's it's just a little more gray without Mike Leach in it. Mm-hmm. So. Um, you know, uh, he, he he had one of my favorite sayings ever. He 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 wrote an autobiography. It was him. Bruce Feldman actually wrote most of the book for him, um, but it was called "Swing Your Sword," and that was his. That was like one of his little mottos in life: was "Swing Your Sword." You know, basically take your shot. And um, I always I always like "Swing Your Sword." We always loved him as East Carolina fans because he liked pirates. I said he was kind of a weird dude. <laughs> yeah. Um so uh you know the the pirates set sail for the last time and um you know rest in peace Mike Leach. Uh condolences from our show go out to the family of Mike Leach. Um especially this time of the year, you know, it sucks. Yeah. Sucks this time of year especially. But um Yeah, like I said, I was gonna have a little fun with Northern Nash, but I knew I had to bring it back. So sorry everybody. Yeah, it's just it's just one of those unfortunate things with life, though. And, and uh, yeah, yeah, we have a little bit of that today. And so we had to tap it with that. Yeah. That is going to do it for this edition of the Foreign Affair podcast. For McCollum Crime West Bradshaw, I am Edward Green. We will see you all next week. Until then, please stay safe and enjoy the football. Oh, good night to the Evertonians out there. You're getting. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Your your nightmares about to resume. You, you now have to go back to Frank Lampard touching your team and playing no. matches. And, oh, sorry, Everton. It's over. <laughs> oh, the the it's, sweet dream that oh, they were having is over. Sweet dream of not having to lose for six weeks is over. Oh, no.
Oh, uh, oh. Don't wake me up. <laughs>